0: And now it is my pleasure and opportunity to introduce our speaker for this, this morning. Reverend Patrick is um, the spiritual leader of this center, and he is a man who is so committed to this teaching and to living the, the beautiful intentions of this teaching uh, he demonstrates living from spirit and is so committed to it and to the, the growth of all of us. So please join me in welcoming our own Reverend Patrick Cameron. Thank you. Thank you. All right. I guess I get to sing. If Sue had spoken for two more minutes about her song, I wouldn't have to do a talk today is all I have to say. Wherever she is. Anyway, we love her. All right. So what I'm going to invite you to do, I just am in such great gratitude today to be in the part of this community and to be here with you. I'm, every Sunday I'm here uh, in great gratitude. And, and gratitude always, that which we bless, we increase in our lives. And as it says in the big leap, the book, what are we, what are we blessing this day? Because that, and, and thought, we bless it with our thought. We bless it with our energy. We bless it with our, our, our talents and our treasure, with our mental Uh, energy and so whatever we're focusing on we're bringing more into our lives so we're going to talk about worry next week if your your blessing today is worry guess what you got to look forward to this week so what I invite you to do is just allow that to be clear there's an intelligence within you that you may not know the the specific steps of how to clear that or how to move that aside in in a way that is meaningful for you but there's an intelligence that we live in that does know so go there I don't know, but something within me does know. And I'm ready, willing, and able, willing in this moment to release it. And so with that said, I'd like to plant some seeds before we go into this, this sacred covenant. And it is an art and science, as Reverend Pat Burdell just said. It's an art and science. And as we do it, we get better at it. We get our 10,000 hours in, we get pretty good at, at spiritual mind treatment. So I'd invite you to stand if you'd like with me, and we're going to sing a song and say a prayer. If you'd like to stay seated, please, please, whatever, <clears throat> whatever works for you. And so I invite you to know with me in this moment, one life, one power. That life, that power, that infinite divine intelligence is my life. So we come together today in the anticipation and the welcoming and the willingness that the the collective energetic, the vibration of the Most High, the consciousness, the content shared, the music celebrated, the fellowship that we come together in all of it, all of it, right and perfect and necessary we open ourselves in this moment to this experience it is perfect and right and so as I am shifted and changed as my heart opens and I can feel the the vibration of the most high in and through myself I welcome you to join me in that and understand in that as I turn to that it's not just the emotion of that it is grasping the insight and the guidance and the intelligence within that and making intelligent decisions in my life to break the patterns, the old habits, the ways of being, some entrenched, I may not even know, but I'm willing, ready, and able to be guided and directed in a new and wonderful way. I commit this day to changing my mind, changing my thinking, and keeping it changed in whatever significant way I am able to do consistently and beautifully with the clarity, focus, ease, and grace that is mine now is ours now. So I give thanks knowing everything is in place. Everything has been set in motion. The universe in this moment, as we choose it and it chooses us, is conspiring in every good way for our great good. So may the love and the blessings that we seek to receive and to share make themselves more beautifully, fully orbed in our experience. I give thanks for this and so much more, standing in the gratitude of knowing it is already done in the mind of the one and we are answering the call here and now. And together we say, because we, it is our affirmation and our knowing, and so it is. Please be seated. Right, so here we are. We're doing the big leap. I have 25-minute talk. I'm going to need to do in 15 minutes now. So I don't know what happened at the beginning, but I'll get there. Believe me. If I can't say it in 15 minutes, I should go home anyway. So why we come together? <clears throat> why we come together on Sundays and in this community? I think is so that our, we can shift and change our lives. I think all of us here are cultural creatives. If you're here for the first time. You're probably checking it out, great, check us out. If there's something of value here for you, take it with you. If you, you, you leave here today and say, ha, nah, that's fine too. We're one way, we're one place where, where we uh, discuss, we teach and, and, and touch and touch upon how to teach and demonstrate living from spirit. That's our, that's our um, vision and mission. We're a vibrant spiritual community, alive and awakened by personal transformation. And our mission, how we achieve it is to teach and demonstrate living from spirit. And so ours is a task of looking at the things, the patterns and the, the things that we have in our lives and deciding are these still working or not. But then the task is to shift and change it. And so to move along through life and, and to desire something different but to continue to, to think and act in the same way over and over again and expect different results, does anyone know what that's called? It's called insanity, and it is. And so what happens for us, but it's, it's difficult, it's a challenge sometimes to wake up. It's a wonderful story about, about insanity, that I want to share with you because I think it's a great example and I think you'll remember it and it's near and dear to my heart because I grew up in Minnesota and and two uh, hunters fly up to Canada they go up to Manitoba and they're gonna go moose hunting and so they get up there and they hire a plane and they fly in and and they have a wonderful wonderful hunt they're very successful they each get three moose apiece very excited yeah and so the pilot, they had to fly in, and the pilot comes to pick them up at the end of the week, and, and they've got everything ready to go. And the, the pilot says, well, I can't haul six moose and you guys. It's too much weight. The plane won't take it. And the guy says, what do you mean it won't take it? We were here last year. We shot six moose. We put them on the plane. The pilot, no problem. And, and we, we flew out of here. The guy says, I don't, you did? He says, yeah. He says, oh, are they this size? Oh, Yeah. So the guy says, okay, we'll give it a shot. I, I don't, it's probably not a good idea. So anyway, they talk him into it, and the pilot takes off, and sure enough, about 100 clicks down the, towards the, back towards Minnesota, the plane crashes. And so Sven and Ollie survive the crash, and there's, they come out of the plane, and there's moose carcasses everywhere. And Sven says to Ollie, he says, do you have any idea where we, we might be? And Ollie says, uh, well, I think it's about the same place we crashed last year. The same behavior, expecting different results, is insanity. And it is. So we've been, we've been looking at uh, Gay Hendrick's book, The Big Leap. And I, the poster behind you, we've got our vision and mission up. We've got some new banners up. We've got Gandhi's name spelled right. We've got the updated 2010 version of the graphics and colors. And, and we, we put in uh, John Lennon over there. And then we've got the Dalai Lama here. So I want you all to say hello, Dolly when you see the Dalai Lama over there. The purpose of life is to be happy. We must be the change we wish to see in the world. And John Lennon, imagine all the people living in peace. And all those things, we put our heroes up, because when people walk in here and they don't know us, and, and, and we have a couple more that we're probably going to be putting up here shortly, uh, it, it just, when you walk in, you get a, a, a sense of what we stand for. When we celebrate wisdom and intelligence, we teach the perennial truth. And so I just think it's a nice thing to let people know visually and by the end of the year, I bet you most of us have these memorized, and we should have those memorized. So when people ask you where you go, what your spiritual community stand for, we want the best. We want to give birth to the new consciousness. We want to give birth to the, a life that perhaps we haven't seen on this planet yet, but is asking and, and, and nudging all of us to be birthed within us. In the big leap, the, the, the title of today's lesson is called Spot It, You Got It. And so I want to share four of the barriers that uh, Gay Hendricks talks about. I want to share you uh, because I think they're valuable. And I think within them, there's pieces for all of us to know. But four of the barriers that keep us um, from, from living our best life, from living in our genius, from living and celebrating in a way that I think we all long to. Because our tendency, or one of the tendencies that we see on the planet, is people will, they will demonstrate a great thing in their life, and then they'll have a great thing to mess it up. They'll have great relationship, but they'll mess up the money or they'll mess up the money uh, and then the work or the career or the health whatever it is it's as if we've got this he calls it this sort of uh, upper limit problem this invisible uh, this glass ceiling that's very difficult for us to move into and through and so I think it's valuable to talk about it because those are the things that I think allow us to continue to do the work do the inquiry I want to share with you before I get into the specifics of the question Gurdjieff was a uh, interesting character Gurdjieff was born Georgi Ivanovich Gurzhiev was born in 1877 in Armenia and he traveled around the world he spent time in Russia he spent time in st. Petersburg he uh, he spent some time in Constantinople then he settled in Europe he settled in France and he opened up an institute it was called the harmonious development of man in Fontainebleau south of Paris but anyway what Gurdjieff talked about and he was influenced by the Sufis he studied a lot of the traditions very much like Ernest Holmes and what he realized that there was a what he called the work and in the work, he, he wanted to bring people out of their normal sleepy state into higher awareness via self-questioning, by group encounter, and by dance. So I'm sharing with you the questions here, which we introduced last week, and you have them in your program. Excuse me while I grab mine. So I want to share them with you again. Questions. Am I willing to increase the amount of time every day that I feel good inside? Am I willing to increase the, time, the amount of time my whole life goes well, and am I willing to feel good and have my life go well all of the time? looks like this. There's a prayer on the back we're going we're gonna to use later, and I want you to take that home with you. Three simple questions. Gershiv said inquiry, group encounter, and dance. We're going to dance today, too. So I didn't know that, that the, the, the band came up with something quite sweet, and, and a lot of people think that the band and I talk, and... We talk, but we just don't plan the music as closely as you think, and it always seems to work out, so I just trust that. But Gersdjev had this to say. He said the modern person is a, um, should aim for the integration of our many selves. And that's about the Enneagram. If you understand and study the Enneagram, it's, it's the characteristics, it's the qualities of being that we live from. We all have one that is sort of our, our foundational piece. And the idea being, eventually, as we move down this spiritual path and, and evolve and deepen, that we integrate them all. So it's not a typing process. It's just simply looking where we, we play to our strengths initially. But he said that, that um, a person who was simply one, a remarkable person was simply one who could escape the pressures of automatic reaction and cultural conditioning to be all of a piece. Without this unity of self and purpose, we could not really live an authentic life. So it's the integration. It's living uh, from all the various aspects that are healthy. He viewed that an advanced person would be able to balance thought, instinct, and feeling within themselves. Thought, instinct, and feeling within themselves. And so if our tendency is to be real emotional, to be real hyper, sometimes that emotion can keep us from thinking and processing and also listening. So it's not one thing. But it's, it's the totality. It's coming together. It's the balance and integration of our various aspects, as he said, are the goals of living. And I believe that's true. He tremendously influenced uh, a lot of what we use in metaphysics and new thoughts and, and uh, personal uh, empowerment, the movement. He was one of the first guys to lay down some of it. And some people thought he was a quack. But uh, I think Gerzdev gave us some things that were really powerful and wonderful. And, and we've, we've developed them because there was truth and there was value in them. So with Gay Hendricks, he, he talks in here about the four hidden barriers. One is the feeling fundamentally flawed. That if you're, your propensity is to feel like, I love this idea, I want to live a better life, but there's something within me that's broken. And so if you've grabbed onto that, it's, it's interesting because that is the thing, that, that is sort of your curriculum to look at that and be able to work with that because it may be a fact in your life, you may have agreed to it, but it's not the truth of who and what you are. When we talk about the divine self, we're not talking about our personalities. Many people confuse what we teach with personality. And when we say that there's a a divine life, there's one life, that life is my life. It is the truth of our being. But it is not the truth of our egos and our personality. And that's what people confuse when when I talk to people out in the world. Oh, you guys are the ones that believe you're God. And I like to use the line Bill Murray used in Groundhog Day. I'm not the God, I'm just just one God. I'm a a (laughs) drop of God in the ocean of God. Thank you, Audrey. Yeah. But people do confuse that, because then we look like just arrogant idiots running around proclaiming ourselves, you know, as if we're, you know, a lunatic is someone that knows who to tell the story to, basically, we're not. So he says this, the best way to shine the light of awareness on the thought that you are fundamentally flawed and labeled is, is what I call an upper limit bug, an upper limit bug, like a bug in a computer. He says, I use it in two senses here because it's a false line in your code that causes a breakdown in your operating efficiency you got a bug in your computer if you believe that and there's nothing wrong with believing it and if it's worked for you it's brought you to this point but it's really about honoring that and, and, and clearing that Dr. Rick Moss is coming he's a, he's a licensed practitioner he's a trained minister in our tradition and he also has a wonderful precognitive technique for clearing and, I, and it's powerful and wonderful but it doesn't mean Rick has to come to town to do that we can do that work it's like a bug in the mosquito net, too, because it bites you when you're going to, be going to higher levels of love, abundance, and creativity. You start slapping at the bug and bringing yourself back to the, down to the previous level. And I think it's, I think it's a great metaphor, because I think we can do that. I was telling Laura <clears throat> on a Friday morning, I woke up, and, I had, I'm, and I'm reading this book, and I'm asking for God. I'm always, in the, I'm always asking for what needs to go, because there's things that all of us carry that we just need to put down. And I had this night of just horrific dreams. I was back working as a carpenter and an aspiring actor in California. I was about 26 years old. And all night long, I'm working with these guys. And these guys were not the most positive people in the world. And so, there was, and so the conversation kept coming up and coming up. And by the time I woke up, at a cellular level, I was depressed. I was sad. And I thought, isn't this interesting? You know, you think you, all these years of reading and study and meditation and affirmative prayer. And then all of a sudden, this thing kind of comes up. It's like... Oh, my gosh. So I shared with Laura. I said, this is just, this is, I'm not, uh, there's something for me to know here. But yet I was still processing because I, I thought, what's that alive? What's that about? And so I, I, I used affirmative prayer, and I realized there were things that that was no longer true for me. So I had to pull it close and love it and release it. And as Jesus said, you forgive seven times 70. So when it comes up again, I'll love it and release it. Because what I know is I'm asking to play at a different level, and that's a piece that's restricting it. It's as if the window's almost clean, but there's some things still there that need to be cleaned up. And for all of us, and so to work with ourselves wisely and wonderfully. But all of us have have those little things or big things that we haven't pulled into the light. When as a carpenter, we used to, we used to, um, I used to do a lot of early on did a lot of fences. And there used to be a subterranean termite. We would open up a bundle of of dog-eared cedar to put up for fencing, and sometimes the, the center would be all eaten away. There'd be these subterranean termites in there. And so we'd pull the wood aside, and all of a sudden we'd expose the termites. Well, as soon as the sun hit them, they died. And so I thought, isn't it interesting? Once we bring light to it, Dr. Holmes talked about it, bring consciousness to it, it'll die. Eckhart Tolle talks about the same thing, bring awareness to it. When we bring awareness to it, it's already shifting and changing. We, and, and I think it's important to know that. It's not, about, it's not about forcing anything. It's about being clear and waking up to it, being awakened. We are a vibrant spiritual community, alive and awakened by personal transformation. And that's what it is. Because when that little thing shifts, everything shifts. And all of a sudden we're open. The upper limit rises or we dissipate it, whatever it may be. Why can't you be wealthy and, and have great relationships and have great health and have a wonderful balance in your life? All those things. But many times, we, how much good can we handle? How much good can we get away with? Hidden barrier number two, disloyalty and abandonment. Did I break the family's spoken or unspoken rules to get where I am? Even though I'm successful, did I fail to meet the expectations that my parents had for me? He talks in here about the, the relationship between Dee and Robert. And Robert was a medical uh, graduate starting his uh, medical career, and Dee was his fiance. And D. D he was they were madly in love and D had grown up in Santa Cruz and if you know Santa Cruz California it's a very interesting there's a university there, um, and D's mom made her living uh, as a farmer, she raised a crop that um, is not considered legal in most parts of the world. <laughs> it's green, and depending on what you whatever and someone asked me what letter it begins with it either begins with an M. Or it begins with a G, depending on who you're talking to. But anyway, so Dee's mom and her were kind of more, let's say, um, organic. <laughs> and Robert's family was very, very traditional. Old money lived in New England, and they did not like Dee at all, and they especially didn't like Dee's mom, probably because they don't like farmers. <laughs> anyway, they decided they were planning a wedding, and the parents, the parents, Robert's parents really didn't want him to get married. And so uh, they decided they would elope. So they went off and they eloped and they had this wonderful, I don't know where they went, and they were coming back for a party and Dee's mom was planning a party at the house. Well, they couldn't wait to get home and consummate the marriage so they stopped along the road and they threw a blanket down and they, they fell into one another's arms and for I don't know how long, maybe an hour, they rolled around a bit in, the, in, the, in nature. And what they didn't realize until the next day was they had rolled around in nature in, in poison oak. So both of them were just covered with poison oak. And so they tried to look for the meaning for this, because here they were in this great loving relationship, and then they, they messed it up physically, you know, how much good can you handle? And so they got into all the, because we can do that, we're so good at that, oh, this showed up in my life, hmm, I got a flat tire on Tuesday, what does that mean? <laughs> could mean you got a flat tire on Tuesday, could mean you need to change the tire and move on, find something more interesting to think about, but, you know, whatever it is, Anyway. So they got a hold of a gay who was working with them. And he said, the first thing you need to do is call your parents immediately and tell them what you did, which we never want to do because we've disappointed someone. But it's the easiest way to start moving towards a solution and starting to clear things up. So they finally did that. And, of course, Robert's parents were very angry, upset. And then then when that all settled down, um, and they they came into a really wonderful agreement about, why don't you come on home? And rather than have a wedding, which we've been planning for you, we'll have a beautiful reception with all your friends. But isn't it interesting? When we, we know we're doing something that isn't the highest and best for everyone that we want because we want everyone's approval, we'll find ways to sabotage it. We'll find ways to, to mess it up. And I think it's just important to have that conversation because you can have a life that works in every area of your life. It doesn't have to be just one thing. The second thing, or third thing, they talk in here about the the barrier is the believing that more success brings a bigger burden. And Gay talks about his life, that he, when he was born, his mother was pregnant with him. His father died a few weeks before he was born. And so he became a huge burden for his mother. His mother went into Great Depression. Of course, she's mourning the death of her husband and, and Gay's father. But her grandparent, his, his grandparents celebrated him. And he said, thank God they live next door. Because I had somebody that could love me up unconditionally and care for me. Because my mother wasn't able to do that at the time. But that's an energy. He said. And he said as he got older and he wrote his first book, he became a therapist, wrote his first book, he came in and he handed it to his older brother and his mom. You know, in great expectation that they'd you know, be really impressed. And they just looked at it and went, hmm, okay. And they slid it over to the other side of the table. Never said a word, never said congratulations, good for you. But he realized that had been a pattern of their relationship. He was born into that environment, and they were not able to have that conversation and that kind of relationship with him. But he said it was great learning for me to understand that. I have ten brothers and sisters. When I go home, they never ask me about what we do here. This is, you know, they keep praying that I get back into the the Catholic Church one day. Um, But for me, it's always an opportunity to spend time with them and just love them unconditionally. And I don't, I, I really am not attached to their opinions about my good I don't make my good contingent upon their approval but it's easy to do that and for a long time I did so their gift in my life was to get clear about that and understand this is my path this is my passion this is what brings value to my life and I and as I've grown spiritually and matured I see the great value in what they how they practice their spirituality and so it's not there's not that much difference so but but it it takes that inquiry it takes that examination and it takes those experiences with our the people we love So if the the third barrier for you is, the third barrier for you is that believing that, that success brings more burden, you know, how do we eliminate that? How do we clear that? How do we dissipate that? It's through awareness. It's through waking up. It's through pulling it up, looking at it, doing our practice, doing our affirmative prayer, doing our meditation, listening to our dreams when things come up, that there's something there for me. And that's, dreams are very powerful. Dreams are very powerful. And when, they, when they're that powerful for me, I know, okay, there's something I, I'm not dealing with here. What is motivating this? What's pushing this forward? And the interesting thing is it ties in with some things that are happening strategically here in the, in the community. So I'm looking at that. And it's not a bad, wonderful things are happening here, but I'm looking at how I operate and how I do things. I think, hmm, okay, not only does it, the message is there, because I don't want to live in that energy anymore, but it's very interesting. But when you're, you've got the spiritual principles in your life and enough awareness, if you're awake enough... And committed enough, you can, you can work with it. And it's a, it's a wonderful thing. I feel so blessed when I have these tools. So I'm not stuck in it. There wasn't a lot of process around I realized, you know, I can let that go. I can let that go at a very deep level. Because that's just the story. Because the reality is that 26-year-old man is not who I am today. But cellularly, man, I was right there. It was like, wow, this is interesting. And I'm, and I'm suggesting you to do the work. And then all of a sudden I'm thinking, man, this is tough sometimes. Just stuff that you think everything's tickety-boo, and all of a sudden, hmm, isn't that interesting? And number four is the hidden barrier. uh, in number three, I'll back up a second. Gay says, that Gay Hendricks says this, by my mid-30s, I began to wake up and realize that most of the guilt I felt for crimes I hadn't committed. Have you ever done that? The guilt you feel for crimes you haven't committed? When I was a kid, my mother used to cry all the time. If I had 10 kids or 11 kids, I'd have been crying all the time, too. (laughs) but I was five years old well we didn't have we didn't have that many then five she, was, she had about seven then but I'd be in the car with her she'd just start crying we'd be driving somewhere and I'd just sit in the back seat and cry right along with her because we, we were crying now and I thought you know and I always sit there thinking why am I crying you know I got a popsicle I'm happy but mom's sad and I always took and I always took that on and, and we can carry that especially when you're a little kid You take it on because, you know, it must be your fault. She's not happy. Barrier number four is the crime of outshining. I would, I must not expand to my full success because if I did, I would outshine my mom, my dad, my brother, my sister, and make them, him or her, look or feel bad. The crime of outshining. He tells a story in here about someone he worked with. The great thing is he's worked with people in all these settings and seen it all. He worked with a guy named Joseph who was a a, piano, a pianist, and a, made his living as a, as a musician, and was a wonderful musician. And they, he talks about a story at the, the beginning of Joseph's life where the parents, to surprise him on a birthday, purchased a piano. And he was so excited to walk in. And, he, and I mean, it was a huge purchase. It's still a huge purchase to buy a piano. One of my visions for what we have here, I, I see a grand piano up here all the time, baby grand piano up here, a nice black one, real shiny. But we'll get there. Anyway, so as they presented him the piano, they said to Joseph, you know, if your sister hadn't died, we never would have been able to afford this piano. Yeah. If your sister hadn't died, we'd never been able to afford And they were just, you know, I mean, I don't think they intended to hurt him, but all of a sudden, oh my gosh, what a, what a legacy to carry forward. So all those little things... We can, and, and so when he came to, to Gay for help, when Joseph came to him for help, they, they went back and they looked and they said, what's the problem here? Why don't you feel more deserving? You're a wonderful artist. We tend to do that with artists. Artists and, and, and our genius, we, it scares us sometimes. It scares us. And so we'll, we'll discount it sometimes. We'll put the lid on it. And you find it, you know, watch it with children in school. You watch the way we educate, how we have conversations with one another. You know, if you're nurtured in an environment of possibility and expectation and support and love and, and, and grounded in that, it's a whole different experience. But so many of us are not skilled in that. The way we break that pattern is to, to start to honor ourselves, to do the inquiry, as Gershift said, and to ask the meaningful questions. And so we're, we're beginning a new year. The big leap that's signed behind me is right off the book cover. It's, it's a year of possibility. Every day is an opportunity to plant a new seed. Dr. Holmes used to say, I'm the thinker that thinks the thought that plants the seed that creates the effect. It's that simple. We teach the perennial truth. It's very, very simple. But what happens for us, just like Sven and Ollie, we keep doing the same things over and over again and expecting different results. And none of that stuff is wrong. This isn't a conversation about being wrong. It's a conversation about being awake. When they asked the Buddha if he was God, he said, no, I'm awake. And it's waking up and staying awake more and more to what's going on in our lives. And that's been my experience. My experience. When I had that dream the other day, it was very, very real. It was right back in the feelings of not being good enough. I'm flawed, making mistakes, had people around me to reinforce it. Because we draw to us that which we are in consciousness. That's what I was. I had found this teaching, but I was just starting to apply it in my life. And it was, it was a challenge. I used to carry a creative thought magazine around with me with, a, with an affirmative prayer. And every time I'd forget, I'd just read, pull it out and read the prayer. I'd put it back in because what, th- what that did, there was a consciousness. There's a consciousness in the art and science of affirmative prayer. It's one of our tools, and it's not the only tool, but for me it worked. When we were in Australia, I told Laura, I said, you know, we have this wonderful teaching, and we have our textbook, and we have all these books, and I do a book of the month, and most of you are readers. 58% of people, after they get out of high school, never read another book. 58%. You know, when I was a kid, they couldn't get me to read a book. Now I can't put them down. It's very interesting the way spirits (laughs) guided me. But anyway, the point being is that when we were in Australia, they brought in all these aboriginal people, and they're, they're practicing, they're, they're blowing the didgeridoo, and they're, they're worshiping through movement and through ritual. And I thought, isn't it interesting, because we have a wonderful teaching, but what if you can't read? You're kind of out of luck. How do we teach this if you can't read? And it's, so Gurdjieff said, Dance. Matthew Fox, wonderful scholar, wonderful author, said the fastest way to connection is through movement, through dance. So we're going to dance in a little bit. But it's not just that; that can be your one practice. We had a, a person here for a long time. That was her spiritual practice. She's gone off and created a ministry around dance. Wasn't interested in, in the study. Wasn't interested in the in the uh, in some of the things we had to offer, which is great. You know, we're a place where you can discover yourself. We love and honor everybody as they come in the door, as they go out. As Reverend Sue Rubin has said to me many times, some bless us by coming, some bless us by going. (laughs) I mean, they do. None of this is forever. Shucks. But life, we're we're here to live a a life of joy. We're here to, to be in our, I believe we can be in our process and be asking these questions and be doing the work and understanding, man, this is great stuff. This is great stuff. You know, for me, I want to play, the, I want to play the, the most beautiful game I can play. And that means of service, of wisdom, of clarity. When you show up on a Sunday, I, I, it's such a, a, an opportunity for me to say, have something of value. My prayer each week is, may I please speak to the heartfelt needs of the community as well as my own needs. And, and, and so in that, there's a, there's a welcome and there's a graciousness because the ideas show up. And the and the passion and the understanding of why we're doing this and what's what's the value of this. All of it is such a wonderful thing for me, that experience. And I want it to be a wonderful thing for you. So when you have that dream that something comes up, we don't discount it. We don't we don't numb ourselves out in some some way that we have in the past, but to be able to stand with it and say, you know what, I'm gonna wake up to this. I'm waking up to this in a new way today. I'm gonna wake up and what and, and part of the pathway I love about Gay's book is the willingness. It's the willingness. You and I, I am willing to increase the amount of time every day that I feel good inside. We do that by finding the things that that work in our lives. There's many things that are working in our lives. Wherever we are in our journey, there's things working. Everybody looks nicely dressed here today, for the most part. (laughs) You all have a sense of humor. Except a couple of practitioners over here that haven't laughed once. But They're very serious. They're praying right now, I know. I'm I'm just kidding. I am willing to increase the amount of time that my whole life goes well. And I am willing to feel good and have my life go well all of the time. Willingness. It's willingness. See, we don't have to do it all. If we know, if we know the what, here's the what, three of them. The infinite mind knows the how. And then it's being willing to whatever shows up, being able to have the discernment. We need, we need to become masters of discernment in our own lives. Not judgment, but discernment and say, I don't do that anymore. We don't become wimps as we become more spiritual. You're able to better and better say, I don't, I don't, that doesn't represent me. I don't agree with that. I don't agree with that. And to give birth to a whole new consciousness and ideas and things we probably haven't even seen. But it's possible. But it's also possible, and I think it's important to bless this day, celebrate this day, and understand the best is yet to come, that we are here as perennial students, that the universe wants nothing more than to celebrate our lives in and through and as us. And and I don't know what we're training for, but I think we're in training for something else. I think life is a continuum. Ernest Holmes talked about the continuum, a spiral, upward and outward spiral of life. And I believe that's true. I believe that we have chosen to be here. It takes courage to be on this planet. It takes courage to do this work. It it takes courage to be a human being. Because the the, the trance of scarcity that the world lives in tells you that there's not enough and you're not enough. And that's what most people live from. So, to, to be willing and open to this, to be into that con- in, in a conversation that's sacred and quite private for the most part when it comes to the collective consciousness of the planet. And allow yourself to be transformed, to teach and demonstrate living from spirit. We are a vibrant spiritual community, alive and awakened by personal transformation. Those things are up there not because they are fully complete here and now, but that's where we're going. Those things should pull us and inspire us. Our vision and our mission. Are we there completely? No, but I'm sharing with you what I think are intelligent pieces of the process. The information, the books show up for us that are valuable. The people, the teachers, the opportunities in your life and my life. That's why we're here. We're here to continue to deepen and grow and to love. Ultimately, at the end of the day, there should be an exchange of love. When you come here, whether you remember a word I said or not, If you have not had the experience of connecting collectively in a sense of of welcome and appreciation and just putting down, relaxing a little bit, cutting yourself a break for an hour, enjoying the music, being shifted and changed, let it it work on you. Whatever it may be, it is that that exchange, because I get it. I get it each week. I get it each week from you. There's something that happens here that's quite wonderful and powerful and beautiful. Or I wouldn't be doing it. But I I, I just know that, and I I, I know that for you. So when you walk in here, we want to provide our best for you. We want to give our best. We want to serve. We all want to do that. Earlier today, we gave a a donation to Little Warriors, and I asked Gloria Meldrum to come up, and Gloria was here at the early service. But we we partnered with them with the Michael Beckwith event. There was a CD she left me, but... Pardon me? Is it still there? I'm told it's still up here. I know, that's Albertan frontier gibberish, and I'm taking a class at Grant McEwen next month for it, but would one person be willing to guide me in this? Well, there it is, right in front of me. Thank you, Reverend Pat. See, that's, that's what I used to do when I was a kid, my sisters always say, it's Pat's turn to wash the dishes, and I go, I, I don't know how to do that. Hey, yeah. You do what? Like this or like that? Or, yeah, give me those things. Just get out of here. Oh, okay. It's an ancient male technique for getting out of work. Anyway, what we did was, uh, through the Michael Beckwith event, we, we partnered with them, so we want to be aligned with a, a, a good cause. And so our, our mission, as part as an organization, is it's time for us to, you know, to be in the world more uh, apparently, and to, to support good causes. And so Gloria came; she gave me a, um, a CD, and this is one of the dolls they hand out. What Little Warriors does? They do training for people that work with youth to identify any type of abuse, primarily sexual abuse. And that's part of, of Gloria's Meldrum's uh, story. Anyway, but we wanted to partner with them with Michael Beckwith. I said, any of the you know anything of the the profits we make, we we want to. Share with you. Well, we didn't profit with Michael Beckwith. We came up a little short, but we still wanted to contribute to that because it's a wonderful cause. So we were able to to uh, take a portion of our, our tithing each month and, and share it with her. But we need to do that. What it does for us is it, it 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 allows us to step into the generosity, the flow of life. If you want more in your life, this Five Gifts class phenomenal. I was talking to Elaine Warwick who facilitated it last month, and based on the because we asked people to give within that uh, uh, group. And I don't know how many. How many were there, Elaine? She's out there. Eleven. Eleven people. And based on people just committing for those eight weeks, it was close to uh, $300,000 in, in terms of income that was reflected in what was given for that class. But it's really about living intentionally and giving intentionally. See, I, I encourage our leadership and, and all, all people to give and, give meaningfully and give intentionally. From joy and expectancy, because what happens is we tap into that flow of life, not just financially, but in our gifts and our talents and our skills, to move forward in the expectancy of great good. And so intentional giving of whatever it may be is just good spiritual practice. You give back. See, tithing is giving back to where you, refi- you receive your fir- spiritual food. Charitable giving, which we did today with Glory, charitable giving is, is a wonderful thing to do. It's just different. Most people don't understand that tithing is giving back to the place where you receive your spiritual food, where you see the, the most complete expression of God being expressed. And, and once again, so, but we want to be in that practice as an organization, and we want to do it more publicly so you understand what we stand for too. So basically, we're putting our money where our mouth is, and it's important to do that in our lives, to take a stand for ourselves, to take a stand for what's happening here, and take a stand for great good that's happening in the community. And I want those people to know what we're doing. I want them to come in here and see us because we're extraordinary people here doing extraordinary things and continuing to grow continuing to deepen. And so it's a, it's a privilege and an honor. I'm very excited about this year. I support you and salute you and honor you. The God in me sees the God in you. Namaste.